If you would like to share the reading of the scripture that the Lord has laid upon my heart, I will ask you to turn to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, and we will begin reading there with the 12th verse. Colossians chapter 1, beginning with verse number 12. The Apostle Paul is the writer of the book. He's writing to the church in Colossae. And he says in chapter 1, verse number 12, Give thanks unto the Father. And now he is about to tell us why it is appropriate that we give thanks unto the Father. He says, give thanks unto the Father which hath made us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and he has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That's a really powerful description. Paul is saying that it is God, the Father, that has made us an heir and, in, and gave us an inheritance. And it is God, the Father, who has translated us, transported us from one environment to another. He has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And now Paul begins to talk about the son. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. He says that the Son, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, that in all things he might have preeminence. For it pleased the Father, he's still talking about the glory and the majesty of Christ. For it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him, by Christ, to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether there be things in earth or things in heaven. So he has, he has spoken about the Father and the gifts that the Father has given to us. He has talked about the majesty and the glory of our Lord Jesus. And now he is about to address us. And he says in verse 
Number 21, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Get this. To present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard and which I was, was preached unto every creature which is under heaven. And he said, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Now I'm going to stop reading right there this morning. I ask you to bow your heads and let us pray. Heavenly Father, I desire your help this morning. We have come into this house to draw near unto you and to draw close unto you, to hear your word. We have come into this place to worship and to honor and give glory unto you. I thank you for the promise that when we meet in your name, that you are in our midst. I thank you for your word. It is eternal. It is forever settled. We come to the ministry of that word, and I would just simply ask that you would use me as an instrument in your hand. Use me to speak what you would have me to speak. Place your thoughts in my mind, your words in my mouth and in my heart. Help me to express the things that you have laid upon my heart for this service this morning. And I, I pray above all things, Lord, that your anointing would give me divine liberty, that you would glorify your name, and that you would edify your people. And for all of these things, we will be eternally grateful. We give you the praise for them. And we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone in agreement said amen. So I want to title my message this morning, The If Factor. The If Factor. How many of you have ever heard, how many of you have ever heard someone say, I don't know what it is about that person, but they got it. They got it. Whether it's, whether it is a, whether it's a charisma, an elegant word, or a dynamic personality, whatever it is, you've looked at that person and said, you know, I can't put my finger on it, but whatever it is, they got it. They call it the it factor. Well, this morning, I want to talk about the if factor. The if factor. One little word, just two letters, and it's one of the smallest words in our English language. And yet, it can have some of the largest and most profound effects in our personal lives. 
The word if is a conditional word. It gives a condition that must be fulfilled in order for a result to be enjoyed. Hello? It gives a condition that must be fulfilled before a result can be had. The word if is considered the cause portion of the cause and effect in the English grammar. The dictionary defines the word as the cause or the reason or the motive that something happens. If. If is the word that invokes a response or a certain action. I submit to you this morning that the word if just might be one of the most important words in the Bible. Pastor Gary, what do you mean? There are literally hundreds of promises in the word of God. Can you say amen? But many of them come with a pre-qualifying if. There are many uh, uh, promises in the word of God and there are many words that God has spoke to us. But many of them also come with a pre-qualifying if. Let me give you a few examples. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19. This is what the scripture said, and this is what God said to the Old Testament saints. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19, he says, If you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Well, what happens if you are not willing and obedient? I'm glad you asked. He tells us. Because verse 20 says, but if you refuse, if you refuse to be willing and obedient, if you refuse and rebel, he said, you shall be devoured with the sword for the mouth of the Lord God has spoken it. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse number 14. We could all quote it, right? If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Well, what if people that are called by the name of God refuse to seek the Lord? The land will go unhealed and the land will go, amen, on into turmoil. Psalms 95, verse number 7, the Bible says, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if... We will hear his voice and harden not our hearts. Again, that word if comes up over and over again concerning the promises of the Lord. Let me give you just a couple of more. Matthew chapter 6, the Bible says in verse 14, For if you forgive men their trespasses, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
Well, what happens if we don't forgive our trespassers? He tells us, but if you will not forgive men their trespasses, he said, neither will I forgive you of yours. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 20. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice, and if he will open the door, I will come in and I will sup with him and he will sup with me. Well, let me just ask you this morning, what if we do not open the door? He's not going to kick the door down and just barge right in. We have the promise that he wants to come in and that he's standing at the door and knocking of our heart. Amen. But if we will not open our heart's door, then we are saying we don't want and we are rejecting him. If. Each of these verses are simply an example of a condition that must be filled before a result can be enjoyed. Each of these verses are an example of a condition or a prerequisite that must be filled in order to have a certain promise fulfilled in our life. So understand that often there is a responsibility on our part to enter into or to enjoy the promises that God has made. The if factor. Our text is yet another example of what I'm speaking about this morning. This past week as I begin to pray and to begin to study and begin to ask the Lord what he would have me to bring in this service this morning, the Lord brought me to this setting of Scripture. And this setting of Scripture that we have shared this morning in my heart is such a powerful and such a profound word. It is theologically deep and it is theologically rich with insight. The first thing that he reveals, as I endeavored to point out to you as we, as we moved along through our text, the first thing that he reveals to us, he gives us a powerful look at the role uh, that, that our Father, God the Father, played in our salvation. He gives us a look at the profound plan that God provided to bring us back into fellowship with him. And he also shows us a, a, a picture of God's love for each one of us. Secondly, he reveals the glory and the majesty or the supremacy, if you will, of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, as I studied and I read through that, I began to think to myself, this is one of the greatest theological proclamations of who Jesus really is. His, its theme declares his supremacy and the theme that he, he imparts unto us shows us the all-sufficiency of Christ. Thirdly, it reveals to us all that Christ has done for us and what he has done on our behalf. And then that setting of scripture that we read concludes by revealing what I call the if factor. 
It reveals to us that we have an active and a constant or a consistent responsibility in the salvation plan of God in our lives. Let me show you step by step this morning what the Holy Spirit has placed in my heart. The first principle that we receive from our text is the first thing that stands out and becomes evident in my mind is the work and the love that God the Father has done on our behalf. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Paul starts by saying, giving thanks unto the Father. And then he tells us why that is appropriate. He says, because he hath made us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Paul is saying that we should give thanks unto God and he begins to tell us why. He says it is because that it is God the Father that has made us to be partakers in an inheritance. It is God the Father that has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. That was all God the Father's plan. All of that, all of that that he just described is, is exactly the, the thing that God the Father did on our behalf. We read it, John chapter 3, verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God the Father loved us so much that he desired to have fellowship restored with us, and so he sent forth his own son to die on Calvary in our place so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. That was God, the Father. Paul is saying we should give honor and give thanks unto God because he is the one that devised the plan. He is the one that he carried out the plan and orchestrated the plan all because of his love. And he transported us out of the kingdom of darkness and made a way that we no longer had to stumble at a wall, but he made a way that we could walk in light. It is the Father that has delivered us from the power of darkness. It is the work of the Father that has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. It is the Father that pursued us. It is the Father that pursued after us. It is the Father that desired for us to be partakers in an internal or in an eternal inheritance. It is the Father that sent his only begotten Son. It is the Father that made us partakers or made us to be a participant in eternity. Thank God for the work of the Father this morning. Thank God for his great love. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, 
Even when we were dead in sin, hath he quickened us together with Christ, and he raised us up together, and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ. Amen. What love he has revealed to us. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1 said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Behold what manner of love he has bestowed upon us, that while we were yet in our sin, he pursued after us. And his desire was to bring us out of darkness and bring us into the light and bring us uh, amen, out of bondage and bring us into uh, an inheritance uh, in eternity with him. Thank God for the love of our Heavenly Father. Thank God for the plan of redemption. Thank God that he determined that he would reconcile us back to him. So the first thing that I want you to see this morning that the text reveals is that God worked on our behalf and God's love prompted him to send his son for us. The second thing that the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart from this text is the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ. The preeminence, the supremacy. Look at verse 14 again. In whom we have redemption through his blood. I could just stop for a little while right there this morning and just tell you thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood of Christ. Do you remember when Moses and the children of Israel were about to leave the land of Egypt? And God was about to send the final judgment or the final plague upon the children of Egypt. God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a spotless lamb and I want you to take that lamb and I want you to put the blood of that lamb upon the doorpost. And God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. It's a picture. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And when his blood has been applied to our life, beloved, the judgment of God passes over us. In him we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? And listen to this, by him were all things created. Everything that was created was created by the Son. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, powers, principalities, everything was, amen, everything was uh, created by him and for him. He was before all things and by him all things consist. In other words, everything that is maintained in heaven and in earth, it is maintained by the Son. It is upheld by the Word of God. 
the word being the one that was made flesh and came to us. He says in verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church, the firstborn from the dead, all things, uh, amen, that in all things he might have the preeminence. In other words, he is supreme above all. For it pleased the Father, it pleased the Father that in him should all of the fullness of God dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him we are reconciled unto God. What a stunning description of our Lord. Jesus is the firstborn, the scripture says, of all creation. He is the creator of all things. By him and for him were all things created. He is the reason that we exist. The Bible said that in him we move and live and have our being. Hmm. Amen. The Son is the very image and the very likeness of God the Father. One day the disciples asked the Lord, said, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have you been with me for so long? And you say, show me the Father. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. By him and through him, it is God that has reconciled everything to himself by Jesus Christ. It's through the blood of his cross that we have been forgiven and that we have been redeemed. When we say that Jesus is Lord, it is because God has highly exalted him. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 7, the Bible said that by, amen, but he made himself of no reputation and he took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto the death, even the death of the cross. And because he was obedient to the plan of God, verse 9 said, Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. So we see God's plan in action, God's love for us, and we see the supremacy of Christ. And then the third thing that stands out in my mind is what he has done for us. What he has done for us. When I read these verses this past week, I had to just stop and ponder could it really be true? Could it really be true? Listen to what the Bible says about what he has done for us. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, 
now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Get this part. To present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. To present us holy, put your, put your name there. To present Gary holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. Now let me just share with you this morning the reality is that in myself I'm not holy. In myself I'm I'm not unblameable. I've done some stuff. In myself I need to be reproved. But because of my relationship with Jesus because of my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, he has presented me to my God, holy, unblameable. When the enemy stands up who is the accuser of the brethren and tries to point out where I have failed and where I have fallen, amen, God the Father says, I don't see it because the blood of my son has made him, amen, unreprovable and unblameable in my sight. What a powerful thought. What a powerful thought. Here's what the Spirit of the Lord placed in my heart. How many times has the enemy come along and said to you, God can't use you, you can't do this, or you can't do that, or you can't be a part of this, or you can't be a part of that because you are not worthy. You have done this and you have done that, and, and I'll just point out all of the places where you have failed. He loves to do that. Well, I came to tell you this morning that because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, you can stand with your head lifted high, looking God the Father right in the eyes, right in his presence, because Christ's blood has made you unblameable and unreprovable and made you holy in the sight of the living God. Man, when, when, when the Spirit of God began to just kind of open that up into my heart this past week, I wanted to just stand up and shout. I want you to know something. If we just stop and think about it, that before Christ came along, we were lost and we were alienated from God and we were the enemy of God because of our sinful heart. When the word says alienated, it means isolated, quarantined, separated, amen, from God. But now through the blood of Jesus, we have been reconciled and we have been made even holy and unblameable and unreprovable in the sight of God. Mm. So first of all, 
We see the wonderful work of our heavenly Father in his love. For us, secondly, we see the majesty and the glory of Christ. And thirdly, as we read through that text, we see all that he has done on our behalf and what he has done for us. We are blameless. We are spotless. We are unblameable. Our sins have been forgiven and been removed from us. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered against us anymore. Mm. But then we come to that fourth thing that the text points out. It points out the love and the work of God the Father. It points out the supremacy of Christ, the majesty and the glory of Jesus. And then it points out all that he has done for us. But then we get to that fourth part of the the final conclusion, if you will, of our text. And we come to the if factor. The if factor. That little word has huge implications. Read it with me in verse 23. He says, all of these things have been given unto you. They are available. They are provided. They're yours. If, if you continue in faith, grounded, settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard. And which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof Paul I am made a minister. If, the word if speaks directly to our responsibility. If we continue grounded and settled and moved not away from the hope of the gospel, beloved, what I'm hoping and praying that the Holy Spirit will allow me to get across unto us this morning is that God the Father has already reached out to us in love. He has already made a wonderful eternal plan of salvation available to us. We can be partakers of an inheritance and we can be translated from darkness into the kingdom of his son. It's, it's available. It's accessible. Amen. It's right there for our taking. It's not out of our reach. Jesus Christ has already revealed himself to be the preeminent king through which we can find that salvation and the redemption. And he stands with an outstretched arm saying, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's available. Amen. We can have redemption and salvation. We can can be in the very presence of God, holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. But there is a prerequisite to the promise. And it is that one little word, if. If we continue in faith. Grounded, settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. We have a responsibility to remain connected to him. 
We have a responsibility to stay connected to him. We have a responsibility to remain grounded and rooted in our faith. We have a responsibility to stay settled and anchored in our salvation. Amen. If we stay grounded and settled, if we stay faithful and steadfast, it is all, all ours. Everything that he had to offer is ours. But if we do not, then it is not. If we remain grounded, if we re if we continue, if we continue settled and grounded and rooted in our faith. Now, let me just share with you. the reason I'm preaching this along this line is here's what I want you to understand. The devil's job is to come along and to get you to become unrooted, ungrounded, unsettled, and to and instead of you continuing in your faith. He will try to throw up every roadblock, every obstacle, and everything that he can to get you to not continue. What I'm telling you this morning is that God has already provided everything for us. But we have a responsible role in his plan. And that responsible role is to continue in faith. But Pastor Gary, you don't understand. I, I've messed up and I've blown it. Get up. Continue. But Pastor Gary, you don't understand. I trip over the same thing. Get up. Continue. But Pastor Gary, you don't understand. I've been going years and years and years. And sometimes I feel like I'm making the same old mistake. Get up. Continue. As long as you brush yourself off, repent, and get it under the blood, amen, you can continue unreprovable, unblameable, and holy in the sight of God. There isn't a one of us that doesn't trip up and fail and fall and falter sometimes over the same old mess. But if you are faithful to repent, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. And the enemy would love nothing more than to cause you to not continue. Just throw in the towel and say, that's it. I, just, I've, I gave it my best. I gave it my best. No, here's what he says. Here's your response. I've done all of these things for you. Here's your responsibility. Here's your part. Just continue. Just keep trying. Just keep striving. Keep walking. A righteous man may fall, but the Lord will uphold him. You hear what I'm saying this morning? Amen. An individual may stumble and fall, but if we confess it, he's faithful to forgive. Get up. Continue. Remain rooted, grounded in your faith. Remain settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Don't allow anything to move you away from the hope of the gospel. Amen. I want you to know this morning, sometimes we may feel like we have made a mess of something, but if we will just simply continue, 
and remain rooted and grounded. Uh, I feel the Holy Spirit leading me to just say this. Sometimes when we mess up and we, you know, we we fail and we make a mistake and then and then we don't feel right with God until we, you know, walked a couple of a weeks in the right way. No, let me just tell you something this morning. That's that's the wrong, that's the wrong approach. You know, sometimes we feel like we fail and then we have to lay a certain amount of track before our relationship is right again. Wrong. Just the whisper of his name. If that's, if that's our attitude, we're making our salvation works. We have to, we're making it performance-based. You hear what I'm saying? If, if we feel like we have to, if, if we feel like we have failed and then we repent of that and then we have to perform or we have to do, we have to do the right thing for a couple of weeks before our, our relationship with the Lord is really restored. Wrong attitude. You're making your salvation performance-based. It's not based upon our performance. It's based upon the blood. It's based upon the blood. When we repent, he forgives. And thank God, when I was growing up, they used to say he forgives and he forgets. He forgives and he forgets. And even if we fail and we come to him again and, Lord, I'm sorry, I, I repent. I feel like I'm stumbling over the same old thing. And he says, I, I, it's the first time. I didn't know that. Because he forgives and he forgets. The only requirement on our part, the only requirement on our part is to continue. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I may fall seven times a day, but I'm going to ask the Lord for his mercy, and I'm going to continue. I may mess up, I may fail, I may, I may make my blunders, but I'm just going to keep pressing forward. And the further you press forward and the further you walk with him, amen, the, the, the least, or I should say, you know, the less amount of slip-ups are going to come your way. But it all, our only responsibility is to continue. Paul said we have all of these things available to us, the supremacy and the majesty of the Lord Jesus. We have eternal salvation. If there's a plan in place to translate us from darkness into light, from the kingdom of darkness into the eternal kingdom of his dear son. There, it's all available. It's been paid for by the blood and the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. Amen. And through his blood, we have redemption. And through his blood, we have forgiveness of sin. And all of these things are ours. And and we can stand before him, amen, holy and unblameable and unreprovable in the sight of God if we continue, if we continue rooted, grounded, settled, and unmoved away from the truth. The Holy Spirit wanted me to encourage you this morning to remain rooted, grounded, Settled in him. Continue in your faith. Continue in your walk. 
And all of these things, the rest is up to him. All of these things are ours. We just have our responsibility. Remaining rooted and grounded and settled. Bow your heads, if you will, across the building. I don't know who the enemy has been talking to this past week. But the enemy has said to some of you, you might as well give up. You can't do it. You're not adequate. You're not able. Here's what the Holy Spirit wanted me to share with you this morning. Continue. Continue. Continue to be steadfast. Continue to be unmovable. Continue to be unmoved away from the truth of the gospel. If you are a child of God, you have been washed, you have been cleansed. Every accusation against you has been annihilated. Removed from the books. Never to be remembered against you. If it's brought up, your own mind or the enemy will be the one that brings it up. God ain't. You have been completely cleansed by the blood of Christ. You are holy, unreprovable, unblameable in his sight. If you continue, if you continue to remain rooted and grounded and settled, stay rooted in him, stay grounded in him. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you this morning. Help us to understand that there is a responsibility on our part that when you knock, we open that door. Help us to understand that there is a responsibility on our part, a prerequisite on our part to enjoy all that you have promised. Help us to realize it's available and we just have to be willing to agree to continue to remain steadfast in you, to remain unremovable, unremoved from the gospel, the truth of your word. Help us to understand this morning, Heavenly Father, and help us to have the courage to continue to remain rooted in your word grounded in your spirit. I pray these things this morning in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. How many of you here this morning would be willing to slip up your hand and just tell the enemy, you may have tried to get me to quit. You may have tried to get me to throw in the towel. But I'm just lifting my hand and making a declaration this morning. I'm going to continue to remain rooted and grounded and settled in the Word of God. I'm going to remain rooted in my relationship with the Lord.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet, if you will, this morning, please. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for every hand that was lifted here this morning. Thank you for every individual that just lifted their hand and said, Lord, I'm going to remain rooted and grounded and steadfast and unmovable in my relationship with you. Now strengthen them, I pray. By the anointing of your Holy Spirit, encourage them, I pray. Encourage them, I pray, this morning in their heart to remain rooted and grounded in you. Bring to pass your word in their heart and in their life. Father, I pray for every family that is represented here this morning that you would minister to every need in every heart and in every life. Touch them, I pray. Let us be an example and a witness of your glory and your grace throughout the remainder of this week. Bring us back at the appointed time next week. And Father, we will fail not to give you the glory and fail not to give you the praise. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen and amen.